0: Hello and welcome to the One Football Premier League slash FA Cup podcast. Matt Froelich is sunning himself in Tenerife this week, so you'll have to make do with me, Dan Burke, for this one. And I'm joined today by Alex Mott. Hello. And Joel Sanderson-Murray. Good afternoon. How are you both doing then? Have you, uh, have you enjoyed the football over the weekend? Go
1: on, Joel. I'll let you speak first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a weird one because there's not that many Premier League games. Right? So you're kind of like sort of in a bit of limbo, but... Mm. I mean, Sunday, Sunday was great, and then the El Clasico was was, was like something else. I know, Can't talk about it a bit, but
0: you, know, <laughs> you can't call it the El Clasico. I'll tell you that. That's what you. Yeah. Call
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've stepped up there, didn't I? Yeah, shit. Uh,
0: no, I mean other than that, I
1: can't complain about being in the semi final of a, another cup competition. The quadruple is on, so.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, my, my, my question is, it's, you know, the, the days are getting longer, the, the, the nights are getting lighter, the, the weather's getting nicer. Is it officially squeaky bum time yet? Have we reached that stage of the season?
2: <laughs> I think it is, yeah. yeah. I, I do think it is. Yeah, I think we can officially say squeaky bum season
0: started. <laughs> are you mentally prepared for the, the hellish month that is coming up, Joel? No, not at all. And I, I think, you know, I think, well, f-
1: fuck squeaky bum time, I think it's sort of rattle head time to be honest with you. Rassel I- <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, post absolutely rattled and and, and the games aren't even happened yet. I mean, this is meant to be a bit of a, Hello, a bit yeah. of space, but uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: It's, it's mad to think that City could win three trophies or no trophies, like, and Liverpool could win four trophies or, or end up with just the Carabao Cup. It's, uh, yeah. As I said to you the other day, Joel, I wish I'd fallen in love with badminton all those years ago, and, and I didn't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Yeah, this is meant to be a leisure activity, and I don't get any enjoyment out of it anymore. Yeah. Maybe they have squeaky bum time in badminton, though. I don't know, to be fair. Like, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, let's crack on, shall we? And we'll begin this week at the City Ground, where Liverpool's quadruple is still on track after a narrow victory over Nottingham Forest. Uh, A 1-0 win, that was. But is it fair to say, Joel, that maybe they were a little bit fortunate here? I've seen a a fair few people suggest this after the
1: match, and I'm not not quite sure I'm aligned with that uh, opinion, because, I mean, watching it, you know, watching the 90 minutes, I, I felt pretty comfortable all the way through, and it wasn't a stellar Liverpool performance at all. And I think the first half they were better than they were in the second half. And um, I don't really think they make the Forest Keeper make too many saves. But I think Liverpool were pretty much in control. And I, I wasn't really expecting, you know, a top class performance from them because there's not many changes, because you know, you pretty much. You know the whole front three was different to the last game. Midfield was you know, pretty different. And then three out of the four defenders were different from the the Arsenal win as well. So it's, you know, you expect it to be, you know, that's you know, Klopp trying to, you know, give minutes to players and, and trying to get them sharp to, to to lads who haven't played that much in recent weeks, and because we might have to call upon them in the, in the next few weeks. Um, so I expect it to be a bit sort of rusty and a bit disjointed, and that, and that's what it was. And. You know, a, a Forrest did themselves uh, a lot of justice. They were they were great and battled really hard. And they had that chance. Uh, was was in Canago who has a chance in the, late in the second half. Yeah. To be yeah. fair, should finish. And, and I guess if he, if he if he had put that in we'd be talking about a different game here, and and I'd, I'd have a different opinion. But I can only say that I felt pretty confident all the way through. That at some point the local would would find a way home, and they did. And whether that the goal should have counted is another story. But I think yeah, it just it's...
0: I think it should have counted, shouldn't it? I, think, I don't think there was anything yeah, wrong with that yeah. under the uh, the new the new laws. Uh, I,
1: I, I've still I've, I've seen the image. I've seen the image. Of Proves he's off to, on on side. I'm still convinced he's offside. <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> not quite sure how they allowed it, but yeah, we will take it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Alex, about Diogo Jota. I mean, I'm sure Joel rates him pretty highly, but to me, he seems, he still seems a bit underrated. He, he seems to score every time he steps on the pitch, and yet nobody's really talking about him as a as a sort of top class striker. I don't think.
2: Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I, I, I mean, there's sort of Salas on a different level, you know, to everyone else. But I think just mm-hmm. under him is is Jota for me. I think he's scored 19 goals in all competitions this season so far, which is you know that's amazing, really for. For someone who maybe isn't rated so highly as other strikers in the Premier League, but yeah, I think he's—he just looks dangerous whoever he plays against, wherever he plays. I think he's—he's he's a proper top-quality striker. His movement's amazing. His link-up play with the other with the other front three is—is impressive. But yeah, I think he's—and it's more sort of um says great things again about Liverpool's recruitment, really, doesn't it? I, when he was at Wolves, I thought he was good, but I never mm. thought he was like top four, best in the world quality. But yeah, he's—he's he's definitely proven that wrong. He's—he's he's brilliant.
0: Yeah. Liverpool have mastered the art of spending £40 million on a player that ends up being a £80 million player eventually <laughs> yeah, haven't they like yeah. It's, yeah. It's really, it is really impressive the scouting yeah. and stuff yeah 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 I, th- I think with Jota he's, he's almost a bit too unassuming he, he makes it look a bit too easy I think you have to be a bit assuming and a bit kind of arrogant as a striker yeah and he, right, he just yeah. comes across like he's just a normal fella who's just come out come out the pub and gone onto the pitch <laughs> and scored basically and, yeah. <laughs> fair play to him uh, but Alex a valiant effort from Nottingham Forest all the same how impressed have you been with the job that Steve Cooper has done since taking over and do you think they might make it into the playoffs yeah
2: i mean i thought he might do a good job he did a really good job at swansea and i thought he he would get a job straight away from swansea over the summer that didn't happen but yeah since he's come in i think it was the end of october he started he joined and they've lost i think three games since then they've only lost one game since christmas I, I, i was writing about forest last year actually when when cooper um took over and since Clough. Since Clough left in the early '90s, there's been more British prime ministers in 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 history than than um, forest managers. Twenty three to twenty four. Yeah, yeah. There's been twenty four forest managers and twenty three prime ministers. So um, yeah, they've they've sort of gone through them, and they've been some names as well. So. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a basket case club, but he's yeah, he's. I mean, you saw from the atmosphere on Sunday, he's he's rejuvenated the place totally, mm. and they're playing really good football. They've got a really good squad. Jed Spence is is sort of the marquee name there. He's he's brilliant. They're going to lose James Garner in the summer. Is Man United loney? He's he was really impressive. He has been really impressive this season. So yeah, they're they're a good team. They're probably drawing a few more, few too many games. I think they've got quite a difficult run in. They have got Luton, Fulham, and Bournemouth. I think over the next couple of weeks. Mm. So tough one for them but yeah I think they probably could squeeze into the playoffs actually and they'll be and they're the sort of team you know we've seen them with the playoffs before it's all about momentum isn't it and if you can sort of win you know your last six games or whatever that that's a good omen going into the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah and, and they're a Premier League club, aren't they? And You know, they're yeah. obviously European champions and I'd love to see Forrest back in the, in
0: the Premier League. I was going to say that yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. a great club, yeah. Definitely. Well, meeting Liverpool in the semi-final will be Manchester City after they won 4-1 at Southampton. Uh, do you think the scoreline flattered City a bit here, Joel? I
1: think they deserve to win. Um, perhaps, you know, a three-goal scoreline maybe is a bit off for Southampton because I think Southampton put up a... A decent fight and, and we're very much well in, into the game and you know and until I guess until De Bruyne scores the penalty I think after that I, I didn't expect you know the hosts to get back into the game at all you know City were were in control and, and and probing and prodding all the way through but I think it reminded me especially the first 60 minutes it reminded me of the Premier League game between between the, the pair because you know, City, yeah. City did that in that game and and Southampton held up and, and, you know, got their chances on the break and and I think we were worthy of a point that day, even though I think City were impressive then as well, but I think this one, you know, it, it felt like up until the penalty that maybe history is going to repeat itself and City were going to be a bit frustrated and Southampton <laughs> just got that little thing over them, but I think, you know, this time City come through and, and, and they deserve to win and then... You know, they're just blowing away, don't they? The, the, the two goals in the last 15 with Fold and Amaras. And uh, yes, yeah, City were wary of their place in the semi finals. But, but again, it may, maybe Southampton, will have got, in a, in a way that maybe Crystal Palace have a, a bit of a model on how to play City and how and to mm. frustrate them. And uh, Maybe it's weird saying that after a 4 1 defeat. But I definitely think they, and you'll be able to answer it better than me, but it does seem like Southampton give them more of a game than, than most teams in Premier League anyway.
0: Yeah, well they're really well organized aren't they? That the pressing was really good. City were finding it struggle to play through the press for a lot of the game, which is which is unlike City because they must work on that for hours and hours on the training ground every day, but you could see that they were a bit flustered at times in this game and that was how Southampton's equalizer came along. I, I mean, I was at a point in this in the second half of this game when it was 1-1 and Southampton were knocking on the door a bit and I was thinking, hmm, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if City went out of the FA Cup. Maybe we, that, maybe that's sort of two less games to worry about <laughs> between now and the end of the season when it's when it's going to be difficult and sort of a block enough as it is. And then when we t- to win that game 4-1. I mean, I just kind of laughed when Mara's put the fourth goal in. It was like, this is the most undeserved 4-1 victory I think I've ever watched in my entire life. I don't don't know, probably the XG, I don't know what it was, but it probably... Was about right in the end because I think City did have a few chances at the end when they were they were already on top. But I don't think it was a great performance. It doesn't fill me with confidence going into the the final weeks of the season. Uh, Alex, do you think it was a mistake from Hars and to start Armstrong and Long up front here and, and bring Adams and Brozaj as two uh, first choice strikers off the bench? Seemed a bit of a strange one to me. that.
2: Yeah. But- yeah, that surprised me a little bit when I saw the teams. I think, I mean, that, that's that been the case for the rest of the games in the FA Cup. So I don't know whether you just sort of felt like you wanted to give, you know, give those players their chance in the Cup. But yeah, like I so said, I suppose in the first hour it worked, didn't it? You know, Shane Long's running and certainly Armstrong's pressing from the front. That did work. I mean, the game totally changed mm-hmm. on the penalty, didn't it? It was just a bit of a total blush, uh, rush of blood to the head um, from Solisa I'm not not sure what he was thinking there but yeah I, I don't really I didn't really understand it at the time and I still don't really <laughs> understand it to be honest I think Adams and have probably have probably been Southampton's two yeah, best players definitely. this season yeah it was a strange one it was a strange one yeah I agree I thought it was a, it wasn't really a 4-1 on, on paper but yeah it was um, yeah City yeah like I say it just the game changed yeah. the yeah. panel, right
0: really I'm right. going to put you on the spot now Alex uh, that semi-final at Wembley City v Liverpool yeah. who's going to win
2: yeah. I think Liverpool win. Uh, Liverpool win the one-off game, and I think if City yeah, draw Liverpool in the Champions League semi-final, which eventually will happen, uh, in the final, I think Liverpool win that. Over one game, I think that's.
0: So Liverpool that win game. the semi, the FA Cup semi-final, and the Champions League final if they meet each other, and City yeah. win the league.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's how it works.
0: I'd probably take that. Would you, ta- you would take? Would you take, take that, Joel? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I'm greedy. <laughs> You want all four or nothing? Now is that it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I like can retire. To be honest, from watching football. So uh, <laughs> um, I'm actually a bit of the other way with playing Man City over one game. Where I that that I, that sounds horrible to me. I prefer to play over two legs because of you know if you got them into Champions League again because there's always the Anfield factor. But over it's just weird with these two teams. Both I, I could see City winning four nil. local winning four 0 I mean, in, in, <laughs> yeah. These mentalities could happen because of the way both teams play and the way you can just take a game away from, from each other. But the idea of playing you over ninety minutes and let's be honest, it's probably gonna be hundred and twenty minutes, isn't it? It's just gonna be grueling and, and <sighs> great for a neutral for us. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like I've got Angina already, thank <laughs> you. <everybody. laughs>
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I know you, what. What's the minimum you would accept as a good season for Liverpool at this point? You've got the Carabao Cup in the bag. Obviously, you want to win something else. What What would be the minimum for you? I'm, I mean, never say like a minimum expected with a trophy, but I think at this stage,
1: I get into the Champions League semi-final and then get into the FA Cup final. Then, then a final is a final, to be honest with you. Like, it's... You know, you can't, I don't think you can ever say you expect a you know, trophy, but I think Liverpool have got a draw in the Champions League, which is favourable, and they should get to the semi. And then, if, you know, let's say they do get by Munich, which people expect to happen. I'm not quite sure it will work out like that, but that, that game, anyone could win that game, obviously. But for, for, for the league, I think I didn't expect Liverpool to be at this stage at the start of January, end of December. So yeah. to be within a point in, uh, of the points of the league leaders going into, you know, you know, the end of March, start of April. It's it's probably more than I expected. So, I'm not going to expect to win the league, and we'll be disappointed if we don't. But it's nice that we're in, we're in, we're battle. But I think they, you know, it'd be a bit disappointed. I I I guess if they don't bring another trophy home at this stage. Mm,
0: yeah, I mean, if you ask me, if, if City just won the league this season, I, I would take that right now. If that if that's all it comes down to, that's that's still the the main one for me. The the bread and butter. Uh, anything else is a bonus. Yeah, but, but yeah. We'll see, see what happens. It's going to be an interesting uh, conclusion to the season, that's for sure. Chelsea are also in the semi-final after they won 2-0 at Middlesbrough. Uh, Joel, do you think the off-field turmoil uh, around Chelsea could, could maybe help Tuckle create a bit of a siege mentality and drive them onto some silverware this season? Yeah, I think it has as well. I
1: mean, tuckle has been really, really impressive throughout like, the whole situation. Like you know, He's obviously faced questions about it in nearly every press conference and nearly every post-match he's had to do. and. You know he's he's been battled once by it and reacted you know in a furious manner, which I think is maybe justified as well. Um, but every other time he's he's answered really well. He's been really honest and he's 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 had a, an opinion and and stuck with that opinion and not been too scared to express it. Even you know, that that's maybe gone against the the owner of the club or um, the decision makers of the club. And, and I think on the pitch, I mean. As soon as this all started happening, I thought they would tail off. I think I, you know, I looked at them facing Middlesbrough in the FA Cup and thought that's surely one that's going to be a really tricky one. And you know, their fans, Chelsea fans, aren't going to be there. You know, I can see them slipping up there. And they've, I think, they've won every game since you know, <laughs> apart apart from the cup final. And then, but every the game they won, they've started scoring more goals as well, which you know, that's been a bit of an issue all seasons. The amount of goals they scored. but they took three past Luton, three past Norwich, four past Burnley. Uh, and, and and they look they look really well, and I and I think you're right there. I think they they are creating this sort of everyone is against us mentality, and you know we we don't have to believe that when Chelsea fans can, can believe that, but no one else needs to. It's only the Chelsea players and the Chelsea fans If they, if they can get be behind that. Then it is something that they can to drive behind. And I, you know I think if if you if you're on and Chelsea, you should be looking at Champions League and thinking you know, we can cause Real Madrid a problem, we can get through mm-hmm. really beat them last season on the way to the final and then, you know, let's say they do get City, um, that could be a massive shootout in the semi-final yeah. and it took us proven again someone who's had a bit of an upper hand at times over Guardiola so, I think this is something that could end in a really good season for Chelsea and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's mad to think because the club is really in massive disarray but off the pitch but on the pitch the manager and the players who deserve a lot of credit at this moment in time.
0: Yeah. So are they going to have an empty end at Wembley for the semi-final then now? Are there going to be no Chelsea fans there? Uh, I
1: think
2: that's... I, I I read yesterday that they're sort of in discussions with the government right. about getting um, tickets to the semi-finals but... Yeah, so far that's
0: inconclusive. Yeah, because they flew to Middlesbrough after all, didn't they? After all that talk about them driving convoy or something. Yeah, they they made it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lukaku scored his third FA Cup goal of the season in that game, but he hasn't scored in the Premier League since the 29th of December. Uh, He seems like he's part of the second string now, Alex. Do you think there's any way that he forces himself back into Tuchel's first choice 11 before the end of the season?
2: I mean I obviously never say never you know he might score four against Brentford in a couple of weeks but I yeah I really can't see it it looks to me like Havertz is the sort of is the number one choice for Tuchel now and mm-hmm. and you can't really blame Tuchel for that because you know he's been so good hasn't he has Havertz when he's when he's played so uh, it's a it's a shame for Lukaku I really thought that was going to be one of the signings of the summer last year he, he would look so good at Inter and you know, he obviously wanted to go back to Chelsea for a long time and it, it, well, clearly it was a big money move. And it's the first few months of the season, he it, it, it was really impressive. But for whatever reason, whether that's, I don't know, a few niggly injuries and then obviously the interview that he did over Christmas with Sky Italia, it's just not worked out for him. And it's Yeah, it's a shame because he's obviously a world-class striker. But at the moment, I mean, you re- yeah, you really can't blame sukkur for picking Havertz
0: ahead of him, to be honest. Yeah, Pulisic is in good form as well, isn't he? Didn't yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the end of Middlesbrough's cup run. But do you think they can take some heart from that, Alex, and, and like Por- uh, like Forest maybe push for a, a playoff spot?
2: Yeah, they've yeah they've looked really good actually in recent weeks. So they're seventh at the moment, and they're maybe a little bit too inconsistent. They sort of win one, lose one, draw one. Like, you know, in consecutive weeks. But I mean, there's only sort of eight games left now, so they they need to start. Maybe getting a runner results in soon, but yeah, they're they're a really good team, and they just I, yeah, they just look like a very well organized team as as they would be. So um, yeah, maybe I'd, it's the championship playoffs are just one of those things where there's probably like six or seven teams that though in in, the, in with a shout with six weeks to go. So yeah, you have probably got Luton, Huddersfield, Sheffield United. That's the top of my head now: Blackburn, Middlesbrough, QPR, and Forest and maybe Millwall all in 10th, who could who all in with a shout. So, yeah, you get three wins in a row, you get two wins in a row, and, and you're there, basically. So, mm. yeah, I, 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 I think Middlesbrough could sweep in, but, yeah, like I said, they just need, need to get a few wins in, in, in a row, I think.
0: Indeed. Uh, well, Crystal Palace are also off to Wembley, as we said, after a 4-0 win over Everton. The, uh, the ecstasy of Thursday night's late winner against Newcastle <laughs> wore off pretty quickly for the old toffees, didn't it, Joel?
1: Yeah, it's real shame, really, isn't it? Yeah, but it, I, I think the manner of this defeat is going to be the one that, that really hits and then could set them back because you know they, you know, they got the winner on on, on Thursday against uh, Newcastle, and, and deserved it, I guess, over the ninety minutes, or you know, at least sort of scrunched it out of uh, out of Newcastle, but. And that, that felt like okay, that could be a real and point for them. You know, the the, the was rocking. The, the players looked really happy. They rightly celebrated the victory. Um, and then you go into Sunday, and I, I think Everton will, will you no, know, they won't be too disappointed they got knocked out because you know the, that it's all about Premier League survival uh, at the end of the season for them. Mm-hmm. But I think the way it happened, like if, if, you know, if they lost one nil to one, and they were in the game until. Later on you can sort of shake your hands on that and, and go home and okay it's a bit of a disappointment but we can deal with it but that game was over 2-0 at the start of the second half and they didn't look like ever get back into it and they, they the players weren't passing to each other in, in <laughs> their style um, I've, I've not seen with Charles after a bad game for a long time and mm. Anthony Gordon who's usually impressed me a place was, was really poor as well and and the defense again—it's every single game. at The moments of Everton's defense—they just seem to to part ways at the back, and, and you're wondering how the team's not scoring more against them. To be honest with you, <laughs> I, I, I think that's—it's it, going to really hurt them that they've, you know, had this real big boost on Thursday night, and then three days later they're brought right back down to earth, and it's possibly, the light of the the situation, may be worse than you thought there, and. Again, we'll just have to see how it comes out when they play the next couple of games and you know, they've got Wafford coming up and, and Burnley, which are gonna be decisive, but yeah, they they're not out of the woods in the Premier League relegation battle by any means, are they?
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. the the uh, The cup is a is a side issue for them. The, the, you know, they, they do need to focus on on surviving relegation, but they need to build some momentum if they're going to do that, don't they? And, and they're not doing that at all. This was really really poor, like you said. The defending was just. They, they look like they've they've never met each other, don't they? Sometimes, and you see them sort of trying to play out from the back, and you compare that to how the good teams like City can do it, and the way Everton are trying to do it, and there's just like no movement in front of the centre backs when they've got the ball. And it was strange, really, because I saw uh, a couple of Everton fans I follow on Twitter saying in the first 10-15 like, minutes of this game, oh yeah, they're really snapping into tackles, they really look like they're up for this. And then, come the end of the game, they've lost 4-0. Frank Lampard suggested this defeat wasn't down to his tactics, but rather a lack of bollocks of his players. <laughs> do you think he's got a point there, Alex, or do you think it was down to his tactics? I thought,
2: I mean, I thought Everton were bad in the 90 minutes, but I thought Frank Lampard after the game was even worse, to be honest. I, I sort of <laughs> couldn't, when I read these, these quotes, I... Was in disbelief, really. I mean, it's taken how long has Lampard been in that job? Two months. It's taken him yeah. eight weeks to turn on his players already. It's just, <laughs> I mean, he did it at Chelsea, didn't he? And that in the last season he was there, he every it was all sort of a, of a meme, really, at that point, that every single week he'd throw a certain player under the bus. And I, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I can't believe it's taken this long for him to have a go at the players. He's sort of shifting the blame from himself. I, I mean obviously Everton aren't amazing and their squads yeah their squads like perfectly adequate but it could be better but yeah to 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 call them out publicly like that after yeah like I say after two months is just remarkable really I don't I mean I don't really know what Lampard's doing uh, or what the Everton team are doing what sort of what how they want to play I just and I know he's coming mid-season and obviously that is difficult but yeah, it's just it was remarkable, really, and yeah, I I thought it was a gamble for everyone to to hire him initially, and yeah, nothing that I've seen so far has has made me think otherwise. It's um, yeah, it was left me flabbergasted, really, for Lampard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's enough decent players in there in that squad for me. They, they they don't they don't have to be finishing top six, but they've got to be performing a little better for me. And, and you're, you, the, the book has to stop with the manager ultimately. But to it? go
2: to um, go from like you know the uh, Newcastle game whenever that was Thursday was so like I mean like Joel said Goodison hasn't been rocking like that in a long time, has it? And surely, yeah. surely as a manager and as a coaching group, you have to like use that momentum. Admittedly, they've only got two days to recover them whatever else but in some ways that could be a positive couldn't it you could use the momentum and then go Mm. into the cup and then yeah after yeah they two her down at halftime and it was game over it was just yeah the air got totally let out the balloon and yeah and that's it i just i don't know i think lampard needs to park the bus rather
0: than throw his players under the bus <laughs>
1: to be perfectly honest
0: yeah. um... I think the inconvenient truth about that Newcastle game was that they didn't actually play very well no, no, they just no. won the game in the last yeah, minute they were right. actually quite poor again yeah. so it's it's not like they've, they've, they're, they're performing well and they're just having a bit of a, bit of a hiccup now and again the performances are, are, are trash uh, so yeah it's looking pretty bleak for them uh, as for Palace it's looking very bright for them it was another great moment in what has been a very solid season the future looks very good under Patrick Vieira doesn't it Alex?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've said on, this, on the podcast before, but at the start of the season, I, I definitely bat them to go down. I, you know, with all the sort of summer up people they had, with obviously Vieira coming in, and they had, I think they had about sixteen players out of contract over the summer, so it was almost like a new squad that that came in and. Yeah, just the way that he, the way that he's at the ground running really there has been so impressive. Uh, Conor Gallagher obviously is t- taking a lot of plaudits, but I thought he was brilliant again. Um, they just they look like a very well coached team. Everyone knows their jobs. They know what they're doing. They've or- they've already got a style of play. They just look like a very exciting young team as well. They got their average age is one of the lowest in the Premier League, and it's just yeah, it must be really nice to be a Palace fan at the moment because they're they're going places. And I don't know, I. I wouldn't. I'd back them to beat Chelsea. I think in the semi-final, I'd fancy them. Mm. I yeah, really like watching them play. They're just they're really really good team. The the only thing that might negate that is that uh, Conor Gallagher can't play obviously because he is a Chelsea loanee, which might be slightly yeah, which is disappointing and obviously that he's a big part of why they're doing so well. But yeah, they they were a really really good team and yeah, more power to them.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh, What do you reckon for that semi-final, Joel? Chelsea or Palace?
1: I do, I do think Chelsea are just too much for them. I think the Pirates will make a game of it. and Like Alex said there, they do play play some really good football and um, I think they'll give it a good go. But um, yeah, I, I do think the Gallagher miss is going to be crucial as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, Mark Gwehi and Tyreek Mitchell have been called up to the England squad along with Kyle Walker-Peters. Uh, Alex, you must be pretty pleased for those three.
2: Yeah, I mean, when the England squad came out, whenever that was last week, I was slightly disappointed. I'm not... I don't know what we're learning about (laughs) Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson in friendlies against (laughs) Switzerland and the Ivory Coast. But yeah, those three players in particular have been really, really impressive. Uh, Mark Gray has been really, really good. I'm not sure he's been quite as good as Foucault Tomori, to be honest. And I'm Mm. not quite sure why he's not in the squad, but, um, yeah, he's still he's still been pretty impressive for Palace this season. So, yeah, deserves his chance. Uh, Carl Walker Peters. Maybe
0: Southgate doesn't have a subscription for Serie A or something. Maybe that's a- <laughs>
2: maybe he doesn't know. <laughs> um, yeah, Carl Walker Peters his game has gone to a whole different level this season. He's really added like a lot of goals, a lot more assists going. So he's, I mean, he's obviously in because there's uh, there's been a few people pull out like Reese James and Alexander Arnold, but that says a lot to the the depth of yeah. right back England have. Um, and Tyreek Mitchell as well as has been impressive for Palace so yeah I'd like to send a few more young players in there I think but um, yeah overall it's uh, it shows the depth that, that England have now
0: certainly does uh, mercifully there was some Premier League action this weekend as well and we'll start at Villa Park where Arsenal won 1-0 on Sunday I noticed Joel the celebration police were out in force after this game do you think Arsenal were, were correct to go a bit mad after that or was it a bit over the top? We live in a cynical world don't we where people <laughs> can't seem to uh, enjoy themselves
1: anymore I mean yeah, I saw nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm going to sound like I got like a a live love, laugh love poster on my wall or something, but- <laughs> which you have. <laughs> I've been to your house. Well, I think it's more about sort of, you. Know, Football is about the sort of more about the journey than it is about the the end road, the, end, the destination. To be honest with yeah, you, mm. you know, celebrating your little wins here and there, and, and why shouldn't they go crazy? Because you know, those players and staff have spent all week preparing for a game and working really hard there and it's paid off and they've won the game why not celebrate it I mean it could end with Arsenal not finishing the top four in the season or, or it could and, and you'll see that then and then they should rightly celebrate that if that happens too because they've worked hard for that all season but it's, should they not celebrate that because they might look stupid because they might finish fifth come May um, no why, why not I, I, I'd go for it I mean We've all been to, you know, sort of away games before and not on the road. And you, you celebrate those sometimes more than you celebrate home games because it feels like such a big event. And, you know, you, you've made, you know, a three-hour, four-hour journey to get somewhere and, and even one nil for a scrappy goal off someone's knee, it, it feels huge. And it, in, in the end, it's only, I guess, worth three points. But to, 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 towards that time, it feels more.
2: And also... That's the sort of game that Arsenal would draw or lose over the past decade, isn't it? Like yeah. it, it, the reason, the reason that they're <laughs> celebrating it is is the context of what Arsenal have been, have been like since Wenger's left, and even before Wenger yeah. left. Like, yeah, the sort of. Yeah, the moaning about celebrating is very silly, if you ask me.
0: And, and I think they needed that win as well. You know, Against Liverpool last week, I thought they were very good for about 60 minutes, quite like when they played City earlier in the season. And then the last half an hour, they were, they were a bit outclassed against yeah. Liverpool, really. So I think they needed a, a win to get themselves, get their confidence back and get themselves back on the horse, really. So, yeah, yeah I, I understood it completely. Uh, there's also been talk about Bukayo Saka being on the receiving end of some rough treatment from opposing defenders. Uh, Steven Gerrard saying afterwards, though, that he basically needs to suck it up, Alex. Whose side are you on?
2: Yeah, it was a it was a big weekend for former England midfielders giving very bad opinions. If you ask me, yeah, this is strange, isn't it? I, I, I think the full quote was something from Gerard was something like, "I've had sixteen operations and now can't go to the gym."
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: yeah. So, and i was just like, as if you're seeing that as a badge of honour. I just, yeah, I, I really don't understand what he's on about there. He's obviously, and he, and I don't know if you saw after the game. There was his interview with BT Sport, and Gerrard was a bit, um, bit testy in that as well. So he's obviously oh, well. in, a, in a bit of a bad mood after the game. But um, I think, I mean, if if you want to look at it the other way, I, I guess that just shows how important Saka is for Arsenal now. You know, mm. you, I suppose you can wear it as a bit of a badge of honour from his, from his uh, perspective that. Uh, He's so good now, and he's probably one of the best players in the Premier League that he, he's going to get targeted by opposition players. I'm not saying he should, but like, yeah, that, that is unfortunately what's going to happen, certainly at certain grounds. So, um, yeah, I'm, if I was Stevie, I'd. Um I'd keep quiet over the next few weeks <laughs> <I> was <in. laughs>
0: There was a compilation going around a few weeks ago of like some of Gerard's like bone crunching tackles when he played for Liverpool. And I was watching it thinking half of these would be red cards in this day and age. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't really get away with that anymore. I think the game has changed quite a lot, you know, even since Stephen Gerard was playing, but uh yeah, I definitely think like you shouldn't be saying, well, I used to get kicked a lot. It's a contact sport. Like, well, maybe we should change things there. Maybe, yeah, maybe age 41, probably, yeah. you should be able to go to the gym, Stephen Gerrard, and not, <laughs> not, have to, not have to be walking around with metal in your in your hip or whatever. <laughs> uh, back, back to Village, all of, have, have they run out of a bit of steam uh, under Stephen Gerrard compared to when he first took over, do you think? And are they maybe a little over reliant on Coutinho playing well? I thought they might have run out of a bit of steam um,
1: a few weeks ago when they you know they picked up a few strange uh, results when I uh, was well, not picked them up they, they suffered a few straight, uh, strange results lost to uh, Newcastle away Watford at home and I thought mm, what's happening here but then they, they went on a decent run where they you know beat Brighton Southampton and Leeds without and without seeing the goal and he stuck four paths, South Southampton free pass leads and you think and then they, they managed to get themselves in the top half but. They're in this opposition sort of where they're probably not going to finish any higher than ninth. Like I, I, don't, I think there's ten points between them and Wolves and eighth, and I, I don't think any clubs going to sort of claw that gap back. But we are in no danger of going down or even getting dragged into the into the dogfight down there. So it's it's kind of like okay, you know, where do you go from the end of the season? And and I think to sort of uh, cover your Coutinho question, uh, quite possibly, I, I, it's clearly. The best player in that team, isn't he? And you can see in in, some, in most games, like that, just everyone's trying to find the ball to him as quickly as possible, and and give him the ball and make and make him do something with it. And, and you know, long term, I don't think that's a great plan. And um, it, it's gotten him a fair few points, to be fair, um, in the last couple of weeks. But you know, it's it looks like that's maybe becoming that, that became the plan with Liverpool when he, he was there, and, and the Rogers was you know, like, let's go to Coutinho and get him to pull something out of the hat and. You know, that you know, teams laying how they caught on to that very quickly and, and sort of blunt them, and I think that's happening. Um, but it's hard to make a, sort of a, opinion on Gerard's Villa at the moment. So I think end of the season will have a better picture, and I will see what they do in the summer. But I, I think at the end of finishing ninth 10th, I think it's you know, it's a, a decent start, let's say, to his to his era.
2: I do, I, I do think that the pressure obviously he's joined mid or joined mid season this season, so it's next season is when we really judge him. But the, I think the pressure is going to be on him a bit if they do spend that fifty million on Coutinho. And I read this week that they were going to bid sixty million for Calvin Phillips. If you're, yeah. you know, if you're spending a hundred million on two players and you're still finishing ninth, that's not really good enough, is it? So next season's going to be an, an interesting one.
1: He has to get in European football. I, I, they, they've been very vocal about, about their aim, and I think. I think next season he does have to get into that top seven. So, you know, it's just a conference league that, you know, I think he can sell that as success. But
0: if he don't finish there next season, then uh, I think the pressure will be rightly on, Gerard. yeah. Definitely, definitely. Uh, well, Tottenham are still in the hunt for top four after a 3-1 win over West Ham. Uh, three newish signings looked really good here for Spurs. Romero, Benton and Kulisewski. Uh, it looks like Spurs have, have really done some decent business with those three, doesn't it, Alex?
2: Yeah, I guess... Um... The narrative a little bit is that Daniel Levy doesn't really know what he's doing and Paratici is <laughs> a bit of a joke. But um yeah I think Spurs missed Romero a lot, didn't they, at the start of the season? He uh, did he get injured in the first international break in October? I think so, yeah. Um so yeah they really missed him for a couple of months certainly over Christmas and, and he's he looks the real deal. I think he looks absolutely brilliant. Him and Dyer at the back Eric Dyer with a bit of a resurgence under Conte. Yeah, I think they, mm. they look really good together. Benton Cord does look a bit of class in the midfield. He reminds me a bit of Moussa Dembélé. Just sort of the way yeah. he, he takes people on and the way he, yeah, just finds space in the midfield is really impressive. And then Kulczewski has just slid into that front three really really well, hasn't he? He's, he's already seems like he's got a bit of a link up with Kane and Son, which you know is is a lot easier said than done. Um, you know, Lucas Moura's been there a long time and always been a bit of a bit part player but and Kulazewski's been there a few weeks and has already taken his place in the side so um yeah they look good it's I mean they look like they're still well in the top four hunt for me and I guess it's, I mean if they if the teams keep winning like they do it looks like it's going to be down to that rescheduled North London derby whenever
0: that is mm. later on
2: and later on towards the end of the season so yeah it looks like um they look good Tottenham they're really good.
0: If they don't get in top four, if they finish fifth or sixth, getting the Europa League, do you think that's something for them to build on and a decent start for Conte?
2: Well, uh, I, does Conte stay there? I think. <laughs> yeah. He sort of. I don't know. He's he makes a lot of odd noises, doesn't he? Certainly, he sort of seems to be talking to a lot of people at the moment about he's not happy with this, and then people Tottenham aren't meeting his expectations, so. I don't know if if, he, if they don't get top four, then who knows what'll happen over the summer. I've read from a few places that Pochettino is keen to come back. So guess that's one to keep an eye on. But <laughs> maybe if they do just miss out, but uh, you know, in it until the final day or whatever, that might be something of a building block. And then you'd like to think that with a proper preseason, especially with no tournament this summer, um, yeah, Spurs can sort of hit the ground running at the start of next season and maybe properly challenge for once.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, what about West Ham, Joel? Do you put this result down to a bit of a uh, a post Europa League hangover for them? And and does Moyes maybe need to think about prioritising Europe over the league for the rest of the season now?
1: Yeah, quite possibly. I think you know, they they went 120 minutes and severe, didn't In an emotional game with the way it turned out and they put a hell of a lot into that and I think I think yeah, they just never really got a start, particularly in the first half, and they, they get that goal to make it 2-1 out, out of the corner, really, and it was, that was really out and of nothing. And, and I think there's a fair question to say that more you should potentially sort of uh, prioritise the Europa League because, I mean, for one, the Europa League draw, you know, they're up against Lyon, who, you know, a, a decent team, but they're certainly not the Lyon of, you know, the ones that got into the Champions League and had a really good run in the Champions League a couple of years ago. They've been a bit flaky this season, 1, and I think over two legs, yeah. West Ham, I would expect them to get through on that to be honest. And then you, know, you lucky yourself getting into the semi final. Like if it could happen there, you know, that could end up being Barcelona, couldn't it? Which just be phew, something, <laughs> some games look forward to. And I think, you know, then you look at the Premier League position, they've probably dropped enough too many points now for them to say they're in, in the fight for the top four. Um, and I think you know, finishing 6th or 7th. You know, one gets the Europa League, one's going, one gets the Conference League. Uh, but I, would, I guess, depending on how the FA Cup final turns out, if, you know, if Chelsea, City or Liverpool are there. Um, so it's it's one then where you say, OK, it's finishing in the Conference League and having another European journey next season. Um, actually not a bad thing. I, mean, I obviously prefer to get into Europa League, but it's not like sort of a, a bad consolation. And, and it could still end up being in the Champions League by winning the Europa League. So I think... <laughs> I think they have to go a hell of a level for that to be honest with you and I think they may have to because they, they've got a small squad and you know you've seen with Jared Bowen being out uh, how much of an effect that's had on them and you know if they could pick up one more injury to, to someone in that forward line and you know they could be in danger of not being able to get out of the season and uh, I think in January that, that's sort of the, what they did or, or didn't do in January has cost them being able to fight on two fronts because you know they didn't buy in a, a backup striker for, for Antonio and and they sort of just tried to get to the end of the season with, with just him up front, and it's that's maybe starting to pay for him now. But I, I still think okay, let's go for the Europa League and still have a really good season, a really good journey.
0: Indeed, yeah. Apparently the Spurs fans were singing, Hey, Zuma, leave them cats alone in this. this uh, I thought <laughs> was that was quite quite good of them. <laughs> Uh, The weekend began began on Friday night with a thriller at Molyneux where Leeds came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2. That's uh, two wins in a row now for Leeds, Alex. But do you think their performances have, have convinced you that Jesse March is the right man for the job yet? Um...
2: Um, I mean, I guess points on the board says yes, but I actually thought their best performance was his first game against Leicester. Um, I thought that was probably their best 90 minutes in total. I, they, I watched their game against Norwich uh, the weekend before and they weren't great in that, to be honest, to be perfectly honest. Norwich probably should have got a point. And then here, I, the game turned on the red card, didn't it? Um, I, I guess it says something about the sort of spirit that Marsh has. I guess worked on or maybe um, developed from the from the Bielsa from Bielsa's time there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, and he's a very interesting guy to listen to, isn't he? I don't know if you watched the um, interview he did with Gary Neville before the game um, at the weekend. That was that was really interesting, and he clearly plays. You know, he's got all the right ideas about the game. I think he's probably unfairly been sort of uh, stigmatised because because he's American <laughs> and people sort of you know made the Ted Lasso comparison all that sort of stuff which I think is unfair um, but yeah he, he clearly plays football the right way and yeah they, Leeds have got a good squad they've been very unlucky with injuries this season it's obviously not great to see uh, Bamford uh, cr- crying on the bench but yeah. yeah that that late minute last minute winner is it's another three points on the board and you'd like to think now oh, the Leeds are probably safe looking at
0: it. Yeah yeah, I was going to ask you Joel do you think they're safe or are they, are they not out of the woods yet? i definitely out the road
1: just yet. Um, I mean, it's what a seven-point gap on Watford, and Watford have got a game in hand uh, in 18th, and there's still a few. Burnley have got three games in hand them as well. Obviously, they've got to, they've got to win to go, those games in hand to put pressure on Leeds. But I think Leeds could probably still do it with another, you know, maybe two wins just to keep themselves uh, afloat. Because I, 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 although I think the bottom three will say the same. It's in it, every season it, it feels like a bottom three sort of curtails and that and, and separates itself from the rest of the league. But well, at least one of the teams down there makes a fight of it every every year. And I think that that's going to happen at some point. I can't I can't see it just being Watford, Burnley, Norwich go down. I think Norwich are done, but I think one of Burnley and Watford will bring the rest of them sort of, you know, um back into the fight a bit over the next couple mm. of
2: weeks. It's 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 just a very weird league table this season, isn't it? Because of the rescheduled games. Yeah, yeah. So Le- Leeds are on 29 points, but have played 30 games. And Everton are on 25 points, but have played 27 games. So, I mean, you know, I'm I'm always a sort of fan that looks at those three games in hand and thinks nine points. <laughs> but but there's a reason Everton are 17th in the table. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to win three games in a row. So... I mean, you'd rather have points on the board than games in hand. So yeah, it's, I'm with yeah. I'm, I personally think it would be Norwich, Burnley, and Watford. But um, yeah, you never know. Everton could. Yeah,
0: or, I'd go along with that as well. Be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, What did we think of the, uh, the the Jimenez red card in this game? You think it was a bit unfair? Um, I
2: can, yeah, I can sort of. It's it's one of those, and I can sort of see why it's given. But mm. yeah, I, I wasn't so sure about it.
1: No, momentum carries into him doesn't it I, I don't think it's yeah bad,
0: but yeah I think they a bit harsh to be honest with you yeah yeah, we're not going to talk too much about referees this week because it's boring <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally we come to Leicester's 2-1 win over Brentford that leaves them 10th in the table uh, but do you think the, the conference league a bit like West Ham Alex that should be their focus now and, and do you fancy them to get past PSV and maybe win the lot
2: yeah I, I mean if if I was the Leicester manager I think conference league is probably what I'd be focusing on they've uh, Johnny Evans and Castagna came back for their first game since December, which is huge for them. Obviously, Fafan has been out for a long time and, and is back now. So, you know, scored, that, scored the goal against Wren last week. So, they're three big players, three big defensive players that are back for them, which, which should stand them in good stead. Uh, I... I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't watched enough of PSV this season to really give a give a proper opinion. But I I don't see any reason why Leicester wouldn't fancy themselves against PSV. They're probably them and Roma are probably the two teams that you'd want to avoid in that draw. But um, if you went, want to win a trophy, you got to beat, beat the best side. So yeah, why not? I'd I'd fancy Leicester. And now that they've got well, now they've got a few of their key players back from
0: injury. Yeah, Rodgers v Mourinho in the final would be good fun. Maybe, <laughs> <so> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Joel, have you seen this video going around of Ivan Toney being asked who he plays for and his answer was nowhere exciting? Do you think it's uh, a bit disrespectful if so? and Do you think Brentford might consider selling him if that's how he really feels? He's had a no situation like this yeah.
1: uh, where he's you know Chris that a a bit of shade at bramford
0: um, fuck Brentford! i think he said last time at least, yeah, he at least he's toned it down a bit <laughs> this time i suppose
1: <laughs> so with evenings some improvements is progress but uh, <laughs> I, I mean i don't think Brentford would ever consider selling him because of the situation because he he's one of them they can make think can make a lot of money off him but you know they can also he's so vital to the way we play and, and and scores you know scores so many goals for them so that's a source of pretty decent replacements but maybe there's a question for that because if he's, is he maybe upsetting the harmony in the dressing room? I mean, it doesn't look that way from the outside because they've had a few decent results recently and he scored goals to help them get that result, but maybe he's not completely happy and maybe he actually, whether if the case question shouldn't be maybe will Brent, Brentford consider selling him? Maybe Tony's flirting um, to try and get a move away himself and, and you know, sees himself as maybe being a bit better and should be playing sort of higher up the league, but um I don't think making comments like that and, and the fact he's made a couple now is going to endear him to like you know, you know, Liverpool, City, Spurs, in you know, the Chelsea. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. And the worst thing
0: is Brentford is somewhere excited, isn't it? Like Brentford's a very nice part of West yeah. London. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: a very odd comment. I think Ivan Toner was born in Northampton, so <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't be- I wouldn't be making those comments about Brentford.
0: I no offense to people from Northampton, if you're listening. Right <laughs> yeah, now. I'm yeah, sure. It's a very lovely town yeah. as well. Well, that's all the games out of the way this week, but we've still got some hot topics. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about El Clásico. Because there were the El Clásico, as you call it, Joel. There were some (laughs) uh, ex Premier League players on display in that game. The most notable being Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, Where are you at with with him, Alex? Do you think uh, maybe he was right to leave Arsenal, or do you think? it kind of shows that Arsenal should have kept him the way he's been playing for Barcelona?
2: Um, I think this is one of those rare occasions where it was just right for everyone, wasn't it? Mm. He clearly wanted to leave Arsenal. He'd fallen out with Arteta a few times, a few disciplinary issues um, before he left. He'd always had his eye on a move to Spain, as as far as I'm aware. Um, And yeah, it was just, I guess, it was probably a a slight gamble for Barcelona to, to take him. Um, but yeah, he's slotted in amazingly well though, hasn't he? I think mm. it's seven goals and seven league games from now. I, I must say I I looked at that Real Madrid defend him and it was like a pub side. I couldn't <laughs> believe, could not believe how easy they made it for Barcelona. So I, I, I'm not sure I'd quite go as far as Gerard Piquet and say Barcelona are back, but um yeah, it was, uh, it was an impressive performance and, and the Bamiang was good. But yeah, like I say, I, I temper that slightly with the quality of the
0: defending that was on show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, w- I was watching uh, Ferran Torres for Barcelona in that game and thinking we could have done with him at City for this team this t- <laughs> <morning> we've got. <laughs> yeah. not sure maybe letting him go midseason mid-season was the best best option in the, in the end, but uh, never mind, we'll see. Um, you talked about the uh, the defending there, uh, Alex. Uh, I was going to say, uh, Joel, has Ancelotti maybe shown his limitations as a coach a little bit recently? I mean, we saw how it uh, tailed off with him at well, Everton last season and things have been going pretty swimmingly for him at Real Madrid up until this point but you know our colleague Alejandro was saying on, on Slack yesterday that he, uh, he he hopes he's not on the bench for the time of the next Real Madrid game if they were that bad so <laughs> a bit of an overreaction, like I think, I think. yeah yeah yeah
1: who yeah. <laughs> are we to comment about the rationality Real Madrid fans uh, yeah yeah right <laughs> I, th- I think so. Early on in the season, Ancelotti said that you know he was, he was going to make this team play on the counter attack because of the uh, abilities of Nishius Junior. And you know they, they weren't always going to sort of try and take control of games. And he, he, pr- he tried to set them up pretty well defensively, but I don't think it's ever really quite worked. Like they you know, kept a the fair few clean sheets, but um, that was mainly down to the fact that you know Thibaut Courtois is one of the best um, goalkeepers in the world. And he's had to produce some incredible saves all season and, but he keeps getting shots at and, um, and I, I don't think defense, the defence he did look weak all season and I would be surprised if Ancelotti is there come the end of the season uh, well sort of next season now let's say and uh, mm-hmm. feels mad to say because they're going to win the league at canter um, but as we know of Real Madrid in the past, that's never enough and, and they have to do things in style and I don't think they've quite done that. And to be honest, they could still win the Champions League as well and, and maybe that'll keep them. But um, I, I don't think the fans are happy with mardi and and I think they're, they're right to say because that I, I don't think... I think it's maybe mad to say this, but winning the title now is maybe... It's been taking a bit of a gloss off it because the fact they've lost that game and, and the way they've lost it. I mean... Barcelona aren't going to win the league, and they're probably the highest to finish it. You know, or they could get second actually. But um, you're looking at the end of the season now. Barcelona will have picked up a bit of momentum going into next season, and I think they might actually weirdly be the happier the two parties going into next season. And I think they have got a good chance of winning the league next year. And, and Real Madrid have maybe got a bit more work to do than we thought, so, which is seems wild to say, but I
0: think it could be the case. Yeah, the momentum's definitely with Barca, isn't it? It's funny, there was a, there was an article uh, in one of the papers yesterday uh, that was something along the lines of Barcelona are showing Manchester United how to become a super club again. Do you think there's something in that, Alex? Is is, uh, is the Barcelona model the one to follow? I mean, I was a bit sceptical about their transfer business. In January, it seems to have gone okay. I was a bit sceptical about Xavi, to be honest with you, and he's proven me wrong so far. Is it just a case of maybe yeah. hire a good manager and you might be all right United? United?
2: Poss- yeah, possibly. I'd- I, I would, I'm not sure I, I don't want to overreact too much from one good win. It was a really good win, but there hasn't been many other like amazing performances I've seen from Barcelona, mm. especially since Xavi's come in. I, I remember they struggled against Elche, I remember watching that. There was another game against Catafe, I remember watching that where they weren't great. I just. My overriding emotion from, from the Clásico was Real Madrid were really, really bad and Barcelona sort of made the most of it. So I'd maybe want a few more amazing performances to to say that, yeah, Barcelona are back and that's one, how my United should approach things. But, um, yeah, I, I think the hiring of Xavi was a, was a bit of a gamble and, and obviously I know it worked with Pep Guardiola, but... Pep's uh, you know once in a generation manager, and Xavi had not shown that anywhere else. Obviously, been in Qatar, but yeah, hadn't shown it in Europe. Um, I think they've sort of got lucky again. Whether you can be <laughs> lucky twice, I don't know. But and and obviously the money side of things, I'm not quite sure how they've gone from a you know a club that's owing billions to now all of a sudden signing whoever out whoever in the summer. Don't worry just about just it. Frank. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just burying their head in the sand. They're gonna deal with it in ten years time. But um yeah, I'm not like I say, I'm not sure I wanna to overreact too much from from one win one one win, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Let's touch on the uh, the Champions League draw a little bit as well. Uh Joel, you must be pretty happy with with Benfica for Liverpool, I would is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean you know, it's still going to be a tough game because anyone who gets to the fans of the Champions League, you know, has got a bit about them. Um, but I'd be really disappointed, and, and local fans should be very really disappointed if they don't get through that game. It would be an almighty shock. And I mean, Bradford you can do get through Ajax by you know, finishing their only shot on target, but they're, and they, they got absolutely pummeled going at the back. But I, I guess that proves that they can to withstand heavy pressure. So. Yeah, that could easily happen over one leg in, in this game, and it was surprised it does happen in Lisbon, but um, Liverpool over two legs should have more than enough, and, and I think you know, it should be, it's a, it's, it turned out to, to be a really favorable drugs and it could have got as well.
0: Mm. I mean considering city've got Atletico Madrid, does that put Liverpool at maybe a slight disadvantage for that Premier League game? It's sandwiched between the, a slight advantage sorry for the Premier League game sandwiched between the two ties given that Liverpool have a on paper, easier fixture in the Champions League?
1: Perhaps I mean, you never know because of the way the games could go. I mean, City could be you know three 0 up in that in that game, and you know after forty five minutes, depending on how it turns out, and and Liverpool might have a bit of a struggle trying to break down Benfica. So it's I mean on on paper, yes, it does. It should should favour Liverpool, and and you know there's there's a chance if they win the first, comfortably. They can then rest players in the second, they can see how that turns out for, for the game after that. But I think. Yeah, possibly, but it's it, that's hard to say. Depending on how the games, in the context the games play out in, in a few weeks' time, and you know, as we all know, Dan, football isn't played on
0: paper. So um, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one for you then, Alex. I was uh, I was looking at City's draw, and they are in both uh, the quarterfinal and the semi-final if they get there at home in the first leg and away in the second leg. Now, given yeah. there's no away goals anymore, do you think that puts you at a slight disadvantage these days? Uh,
2: I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, maybe. Although, is the not the fortress that you want it to be on European well, it,
0: nights. It, it can be, yeah. But normally you yeah. would go, you would go for the away leg second. You, you've got a yeah. you know ideally a, a bit of a lead or a decent result under under your belt, and you go there and you, you, you keep it tight. You try and nick an away goal, and and the tie swings yeah, in your favour. Now with no away goals, it's sort of a free hit, isn't it for everybody?
2: Yeah, that's true. But then does that not yeah, maybe but that sort of opens it up for everyone, doesn't it? You'd like to think that I don't know, someone like Villarreal maybe could uh, could use that to their advantage. But um yeah, I don't know, I haven't thought about that, possibly. And I'm just and getting my the conspiracy great... theories in
0: earlier. <laughs> yeah. Recently, <laughs> yeah, if you got knocked out. So
2: And the ones <laughs> are difficult, you know, that is a bit of a fortress for them, isn't it? It's certainly mm. in Europe, Athletic Montreal really really used that and obviously Simeone he must run about fifteen k down the sideline during <laughs> games. So yeah, that's yeah, it's interesting. I didn't thought about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the hop- hottest topic of all, Joel, is have you prepared yourself emotionally for Mike Dean's retirement at the end of the season? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
1: was crying in the listening to Adele last night. I don't think I'm ever going to do this. Um, football. Well, the Premier League is going to lose one of his greatest showmans, isn't it? And um, it's going to be a really sad day when he. He hangs up the whistle, uh, should we say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. He's got, so far, a record 114 red cards to his name. I was going to ask you, Alex, which ref will beat it, but I looked it up earlier. The second on the list is filled out with 66 red cards. Really? So no one's beating 114, wow. are they? It's never That's going to That's unbelievable, happen. isn't it? Yeah.
2: Although I, I, did read, I did read yesterday that... Um, Mike Dean is is trying to speak to the PG. Is it PGIL, the referees' association? Yeah. Um, he wants to stay in the VAR booth for a few more seasons. Oh, I... so we won't be so we won't be fully rid of him just yet. We just won't see him on the pitch.
0: Yeah, there should be some sort of statue for him or something, shouldn't they? I think like, we need to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to commemorate his legacy in some way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Stockley Park statue. Yeah
0: he uh, went to the Trammy Rovers game against
1: Sutton United at the weekend and he and he ended up being stood next to Mike Dean there and uh, well, one so of he told which I found was really funny is that the referee has made a, a horror call for some reason where like gave a free kick against Chammy Rovers and then <laughs> Mike Dean joined in with a chance of the referee to wanker which <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's superb
1: <laughs>
0: Brilliant Fair play, Mike Dean. I'm going to enjoy the last couple of months of his uh, his refereeing career because it's been a, it's been more hell of a ride. <laughs> uh, we're going to finish with a very quick quiz today. Uh, I've got what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you. I'm going to give you the name of a team in the Premier League or all the, uh, the the Championship, and you've just got to tell me have they won more leagues or more FA Cups uh, in Ooh, their okay. history? Uh, and yeah. this is when when I say leagues, I mean top flight titles only. I'm not going to say United or Liverpool because it's too easy. We we know how yeah. many titles they've won. It's pretty pretty well documented. But Alex, you can. Go go first Chelsea more leagues or more FA Cups
2: uh, FA Cups
0: correct 6 leagues 8 FA Cups nice. Joel Arsenal
1: more leagues or FA oh.
0: um, I think more FA Cups correct 13 leagues 14 FA Cups Ooh. Alex Man City
2: Uh leagues
0: correct 7 leagues 6 FA Cups oh. Spurs Joel more and
1: ugh, be a cu- more FA Cups.
0: Yeah, only two leagues but eight FA Cups. Mm. Everton, Alex.
1: Oh
2: I think FA Cups.
0: You are wrong. Oh. Nine league titles, five FA Cups uh. for Everton. Aston Villa Joel. Oh
1: it's tough. Um default FA Cup first. Um,
0: good says FA Cups. More FA Cups it's a trick question that one because they've won seven leagues and seven FA oh, Cups. Uh, so. nice. <laughs> and last, last one Alex Nottingham Forest
2: Nottingham Forest they've only they won I'm going to say I don't think have they won the FA Cup I think they've won more leagues more
0: leagues no, you're wrong. They've won two oh. FA Cups and one one league title. Oh, this. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for this week. Matt will be back next week, but for now, thank you everyone to listening for listening. Thank you to Alex and Joel for joining me. Uh, I might be back later in the week to talk about European football. It depends if I can be asked, to be honest with you. <laughs> <now. But laughs> if so, see you then, and uh, and take care of yourself.